we're looking for partners that we can collaborate with and co-create and we get insights from their own customers. And uh, that's how we develop and, and learn uh, how to really fit these products as best we can to the needs of customers. Well, one of the problems of being stuck at home in these times of COVID is the overloaded wireless network, and London in particular seems to be having problems coping. Although given that most of us are still relying on copper wires that haven't changed much since telephones were first introduced 100 years ago, I guess we should be pleased with what we've got. So slow downloads are not ideal, but what happens if your service provider or cloud network goes down? Do you have insurance protection if your clients can't buy from you or can't get in contact with you? Well, hello again, or if it's your first episode, welcome. And for you early risers, we're now releasing the podcast episodes at 7am on Sunday morning. So you can take us with you for your jog or morning walk. Or if you just need an excuse to plug in and take it easy, well, we'll be there with you. Matthew Grant here, partner at Instec London, and back this week interviewing Netta Rosie, co-founder and CTO of Parametrics Insurance. Now, speed is one characteristic of many great companies, and Parametrics has certainly not been hanging around in the last 18 months. They're based in Israel, but with operations in the US and the UK, and recently took part in the Lloyd's Lab. Parametrics has quickly defined and is delivering a vital product for businesses small and large. In fact, so successful has it been that Lloyd's has already named one of its products after the company. In this episode, you're gonna find out why Netta and the team founded the company and how their products work. We discover where they get their information from and why they've had to do the hard work to build their own analytics. And this is another parametric tool, so of course we need to find out what triggers the payment and how reliable that is. Now Lloyd's Lab proved a real success and we talk about which insurance companies have been supporting them. And like all businesses, distribution is really important. So we discover how Parametrics is selling its cover and we get a peek into what is happening next. 30 minutes of fact-filled content, here we go. Netta, really glad you could join me. You're CTO of Parametrics and one of the four co-founders for a company that's only been going about 18 months. You seem to have made some great progress. So looking forward to hearing a bit more about that, But, but thanks for joining me. And where are you, where in the world are you calling in from today? Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, I'm calling in from Tel Aviv, Israel right now. Um, we're located both, we have offices both here and in New York. Excellent. Well, lots of really interesting companies coming out of Israel these days. So uh, looking forward to hearing more about what you've been doing. But to Parametrics, you provide insurance policies for third-party IT downtime events, which includes cloud outages, e-commerce, payment failures, and I guess various other disruptions from SaaS and PaaS and IaaS platform, which are pretty good with my acronyms, but uh, so I know SaaS. What about PaaS and IaaS? Software as a service, a platform as a service, and infrastructure as a service. Great. Okay. We've got, we've got those out of the way. Excellent. Okay. So um, in terms of the story, so what was it that brought the four of you together to decide to start a company? Each of us felt the pain of downtime. And we've each seen the financial repercussions that it can bring about. Tamir had founded the largest e-commerce business in Israel, 
uh, and knew firsthand what downtime losses looked like. Um, Jonathan and Ori have both previously co-founded startups uh, disrupting in traditional spaces. Uh, so it was very natural for us to move into a large and traditional industry like the insurance industry. And how did you come across each other? Did you, did you sort of know each other before you decided to build a company or was that sort of what brought you together? A fraction of us knew each other before and we'd always uh, kind of joked that we would uh, one day found a startup uh, together. Um, and then we were introduced by a mutual friend uh, to the rest of the team and, and it was kind of very natural bond uh, to be the four of us together. Based in Israel, as you said, you've got operations around the world. I mean, can you just talk a bit about where else you're active just now? So we're based out of Israel and New York, uh, but we're active and operating um, both in Asia Pacific, uh, Europe specifically in the UK, uh, Israel, and now uh, in the US as well. When you mentioned the UK, you were on the recent Lloyd's cohort, and I see that they actually named a product after you, so that must have been a success if they were prepared to give the company a name to the product. It was a great experience, both working with Lloyd's. Uh, we worked with the um, PIF Beta, and it was led by uh, TMK and Ren Re, and then another subset of uh, the PIF, which is the Beta uh, Syndicates, and they actually focus on tech solutions for the insurance space, so it was a natural fit. For those that don't know, the PIF, that's the Product Innovation Facility, which is the part of, well, the, the, the syndicates and lawyers have come together to offer capacity for emerging risks. It's a pretty exciting area of what they're doing. Well, I mean, it's great to hear some more examples of what they're doing as well. And so the, the coverage you're offering, I mean, there's a wide range of loss and complexity of loss, depending on whether people are coming at it from a small business, medium business or, or large business. So you know, what, what's your target ultimate client base from, from an insurance perspective? So really the sky's the limit here. And we've seen demand from uh, very small customers and both to large customers. So it can be a small e-store that has online business uh, to a large bank that's moving to the cloud at the moment. Um, and we know how to uh, kind of tailor our policy to fit both uh, uh, segments and, and kind of everything in between. Um, the granularity that we have with our technology and with our data allows us to accommodate businesses small and large. And any early indications of which ones are going to be the most likely to sell to? I mean, it's, it's obviously very different selling into smaller companies uh, than it is to large companies where you've got to go through a sort of levels of sign off, whereas a small business tends to be you know, much simpler to sell into. But are you seeing any early stages of which ones are easier to get into? I wouldn't say that they're necessarily easier or, or harder. Um, the smaller ones enjoy a more um, tight-knit product that is more off the shelf, where the larger ones um, would like the product to be tailor-made to their needs. Uh, and, and we're able to, to accommodate both because a, a larger business can uh, maybe retain some more downtime on their balance sheet, uh, but their losses are also much bigger. So we, we know how to tailor make and, and kind of adjust the product to, to fit both sides of the scale. And just to be clear, so it is, it is just downtime. So it's not things like malware or denial of service. It's more just a failure of the operations in the background. Is that right? It's any type of disruption uh, to your third party uh, services. So a business today will build themselves on top of third party applications. Uh, and, and you mentioned a few of them. It could be cloud computing and payment systems and their ISP, which is internet and their web hosting. And, you know, the list goes on and on. These are all uh, critical services to a business's operation. Um, and 
if even one of those go down, then, then they go down with it. And so we are essentially hedging an external risk for these businesses and allowing them to focus on their internal risks. What's actually covered because there's rarely like a physical loss. So how, how do you calculate the actual indemnity that you pay out against if, the, if there is an outage? Yeah, so we try and cover as much as possible. We want the product to be as transparent as it can be and for the customer to know exactly what they're covered for and what they're not covered for. And in essence, we cover everything that causes these third-party services to go down except for the usual uh, exclusions that almost any insurance policy will have, like acts of war, for example, or, you know, one of these uh, huge companies going bankrupt, like Amazon, for example. Um, but, but essentially everything else is, is covered. And so we're creating a very, very simple product uh, that covers more things than have been seen in the industry uh, up until today. And we're able to do that because it's an objective event. So there's really no, risk of fraud here from uh, the customer themselves because uh, they cannot influence the risk of downtime in this case. Hence parametric, I guess, in the name. And what about the actual payment? How do you define what the, the loss is going to be or what the payment is back to the insured? The compensation is, is pre-agreed. So it's predefined in the policy itself. And we have an algorithm to assess how much per business their loss will be in case of downtime. And it's structured in a per hour loss. Uh, so into that, we, we incorporate uh, revenue losses and, and recovery expenses and SLA liabilities that they may have with the customer. Um, but then we, we pre-agree on, on a number which the customer can actually have input on. So uh, we could say we estimate that your losses will be um, $10,000 or $20,000 per hour of downtime. Uh, and they would say, you know, I, I think it needs to be a little lower, a little higher. They could adjust that. And then we adjust the premium based on that. Okay, that's really helpful. So it sort of just sounds like you really are tuning it to what people actually need. And then what about the aggregation risk? Because we've had large cyber losses. I should guess touch wood as I'm saying this. We haven't had many that have gone across different industries. If you've got multiple providers going down, you're going to have a huge payout. I mean, how do you measure that? And how, from an insurance perspective, do you, know, you have confidence you don't get your, your capacity providers aren't exposed to those very large losses? Yeah, so you can imagine that we uh, uh, get this question quite a lot. And, and it's a question that we enjoy answering. Um, and, and it comes from our background in technology. So, so most of, of the company actually is, is comprised of uh, R&D. And um, it's due to the lack of understanding of IT infrastructure. If you take a magnifying glass and, and you look at how these cloud products are designed or these FastPass and YAS products are designed, you'll see that their infrastructure is much more complex than just um, down or up. Uh, they're designed in a way where they have data centers that are physically spread around the world. Um, each one is, is completely remote to the other. Within each data center, they have many different services uh, that they offer. It, it can be hundreds of services uh, with each one having a different availability. But when we monitor for uh, their performance and availability, we can get to a granularity of understanding the performance and availability of each service and each region and each availability zone. Uh, and it gets even deeper than that. Um, and, and when downtime occurs for these uh, SaaS, Pass, and Yaster IT uh, uh, services, 
then really the, it's not that everything goes down all at once. You'll see a region going down or you'll see a, a service going down and, and we know how to accommodate for that. And, and it gets, uh, you get even uh, more diverse as you diversify across uh, service providers and across more products. And as you're monitoring all of these providers, you must be getting some really good data on availability. And even if it's not complete downtime and you know, there's sort of, uh, I guess it peaks and troughs in terms of access. Uh, is that something you can also start to make available to people that are making choices around different cloud providers or mix of cloud providers? Yeah, we've actually seen um, um, customers kind of consult with us when they realize that they're at a quite high of a risk for downtime and, and how we will, we're able to help them lower their risk of downtime by telling them, hey, maybe you should get a redundant region in, in uh, a zone that doesn't go down as much. Uh, and, and we kind of help them through, the, through that process. But, but most do a, a really good job. And so actually, the, uh, there's, there's quite a natural diversification of risk if you're able to tap into that data and, and really see the real-time performance of these services. And we're all familiar, or most of us familiar with the three main providers, so AWS, Azure, Google Cloud. How, how much do they, um, I want to say dominate, but how, how significant are they in the overall providers out there? And how many more are there out there that you actually also need to be reviewing? Oh, wow. There's thousands. Um, so the, the three that you named are probably the three major cloud service providers. Um, and there's many, many more, you know, Oracle and, and you're seeing uh, Alibaba Cloud now as well. But in addition to that, there's thousands of other IT services. So you have your payment systems that can go down as well. So you have PayPal and Stripe um, and you have your CRMs and your ISPs and your web hosting and uh, CDNs and, and these things just uh, become bigger and bigger and, and there's so many that, that we monitor for. It's, it's not really just, a, a, you know, the, the three that naturally come to mind. Okay, that's actually a really helpful distinction in there. And is it a kind of a la carte menu? So do people choose which providers they want to take up or do you essentially cover them all and then it's up to you to figure out who they're exposed to? So we monitor all of them, even before we have customers using them uh, for, for a couple of reasons. One is we collect data. So we collect data about the performance and availability of services uh, before we can insure them in order to understand their historical performance and to be able to price for them. So we're already monitoring this, this worldwide infrastructure of these services. Um, and, and then when a customer is, is onboarded, really the only thing we need to know um, is what their infrastructure looks like. And, and most of the time, uh, we can identify that ourselves. We, we just need them to validate it for us. And I mean, that's an incredible amount of information there. I'm assuming that is available publicly. Otherwise, it'd be very expensive if you had to go and pay to get it. Yeah, so uh, it, it's not uh, available publicly. And, and that's kind of where I, our IP comes in. Um, we monitor these services ourselves. So this is a system, a monitoring system that we've developed in-house and we have a, a top developers uh, that have been working on this and have done a, a fantastic job. So this system is something that's developed in-house and allows us to externally to the customer uh, know the performance and availability of these services that we ensure. So not only do we know it on regions where we don't have customers, 
but actually uh, on it, it helps during onboarding as well because the customer doesn't need to install anything before they're uh, liable for this type of coverage. A big challenge for a company, any company starting off, is how do you get to market? So when you're selling this, are you relying on a broker network because it's packaged within an insurance product or are you going out directly as parametrics and selling to end customers? We have a, a, a great broker network. Uh, one of the first that we started working with were Howden uh, in Israel and they've done a fantastic job. They sell uh, um, a lot of the cyber here in Israel and so it was a natural addition uh, kind of to their portfolio of products. Um, and, and so we've been working with brokers uh, and it seems like brokers love parametric insurance. Uh, not having a claims process is a fantastic thing for them. And they've heard customers asking for this product actually for quite a while. So um, they were very excited that, you know, this product now exists and, and is in a, one that they can market to customers. Well, you seem to have cracked one of the challenges people often have, which is how to get the brokers to engage, understand, pay attention. It sounds like, you know, with Howden, I mean, they're doing lots of very interesting things around the world anyway. But I mean, what would your advice be to anybody else that's got a product that, and as many are these days, is sold through a broker network in mean, how to get interest and engagement from the brokers? I can't speak for all products. I know for our product, because they saw demand from their customers, uh, then the moment that we said, hey, you know, this product does exist, um, they were very, very excited about it. Um, we also offer um, information to them as well that they can't uh, have access to anywhere else in the market. So they get access uh, to information about the performance of these services that are insured and they can relay that on to their customers. Uh, they get a very interactive dashboard as well. So it's been a great experience for them from the feedback that we've gotten from them. Well, congratulations. So, yeah, I know other people have, have struggled to get there. And you mentioned one of the reasons the brokers like what you're offering is because there is no claims process or I presume the claims process is automated. But in many areas of the world, there still needs to be an insurable loss. So how, how do your end customers demonstrate they've had a, a loss? So from a regulatory point of view, it can be covered as insurance. Yeah, absolutely. So there does need to be a, a validation that um, the, the payout, uh, you know, suits the loss that actually occurred uh, d during downtime. Um, and with our algorithm in the beginning that estimates uh, downtime per hour, we've, we've been able to have great success. But uh, in addition to that, we also have um, a, a declaration of loss that the customer needs to fill out. Um, and, and kind of we know how to uh, approach them after there's an interruption. Because uh, after there's an interruption, there's absolutely loss of money. So uh, they just sign the declaration and they're good to go. Well, a quick break from talking to Netta to let you know that if you are collecting hours for your continual professional development, that's CPD, then you can get 30 minutes from listening to this. We've been accredited by the CII, that's the Chartered Insurance Institute here in the UK, for a year now after a fairly rigorous assessment process. And they've just renewed our accreditation. You can click on the link in the episode notes to claim your points. And for more information on that and everything else we are doing, drop us an email, hello at instec.london. Uh, and don't forget, all our podcasts these days are also available as write-ups. And finally, we are also looking for sponsors for the podcast. So if you're interested in that, please do get in contact as well. 18 months is a very short time to get a business up and running and start bringing clients in. So What's made you successful in doing that? And get, you know, what kind of advice might you give to people who are looking at building businesses in terms of how to scale rapidly? 
Yeah, so it absolutely uh, is, is a very short amount of time for, for kind of the growth and, and the product that we've created and, and seen here. Um, I, I can say for myself uh, that my three other co-founders are experienced uh, entrepreneurs. So this is their second startup for each of them. Uh, and they've uh, navigated uh, traditional industries before. So, so that absolutely had something to do with it as well. But I think for, for new players in the field, I'd say don't be scared to, to enter a, a very traditional and a very regulated uh, industry. They're actually looking for innovation and they're open to it. Um, I, it's just a way of being able to communicate it in a way um, where you show your value upfront and, and bring something that um, doesn't necessarily exist in the industry uh, up until now, which is usually based around technology. So developing technology in-house and something that no one else has access to makes you very unique and very approachable. And I would also add that speed, part of the challenge for companies that are starting up has been because they can't get to market quickly and insurance still operates on an annual cycle. So if you can't work with an organization that can actually deliver benefit to the end customer, that's been a real challenge for people. And I, the, you've, it's very interesting you say about the part of the success has been working with people who've built businesses before. I guess everybody's got to have their first business at some point, but that certainly seems to be the case. So if you can bring people in who've actually had experience, you, you can move much faster. And I think things like fundraising things, never easy, but they're, but they're easy. And that's, that was really helpful. And then we touched on the lawyers before, but it, we're very close to what's happening in the Lloyd's lab. It'd be great to hear how your experience worked, particularly you've been doing it at a time when you've been remote for, I think all of the time you've been in the lab, haven't you, as opposed to actually being in the building. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we were actually uh, in touch with Lloyd's uh, before we joined the, the Lloyd's lab and, and um, with, with the, the PIF beta as well. Um, but it was, it was natural for us to go into the uh, Lloyd's lab and, and we had visited there um, prior to, to COVID, but uh, during the cohort itself, we were actually remote um, and they did a fantastic job. They're, they're extremely professional and extremely uh, a talented group of people. So it was a, you know, it was great to, to be a part of that. And they introduced us to key stakeholders in the industry. So recommended for, for anyone um, looking to, to join the Lloyd Lab. And you mentioned earlier on a couple of companies, um, Tokyo and Kiln at and in terms of the mentors, anybody else you can you can sort of call out or just mention that you, you were, were helpful for you? So TMK or Tokyo Marine Kiln um, were, were great ad- adversaries for us and they're great partners uh, today as well. Um, they pulled in, uh, uh, Renry is one that we can say as well. Um, and then in addition to that, it's uh, another subset of uh, the, the PIF, uh, which are the, the PIF beta and um, they've also been pulled in. And so it's been a a great experience with them and um, really we've I, I'd say co-created this product with them because they know their industry best um, and, and they know their customers also best so uh, we've been able to pull in amazing insights from them combine it with our technological knowledge and with the technology that we've developed and the data and co-create this product. Well it was really interesting to hear about the experience of Lloyd's I mean, we've had a lot of people who've had success within the Lloyd's lab and you know, it'd be great to hear how it's working digitally as well as face-to-face. Anything else on the Lloyd's experience you think is worth mentioning? I mean, I think Lloyd's have always been and, and continue to be innovators in insurance. Um, so 
so they're very open to it. Uh, they they hear a lot of quest a lot of uh, new ideas, and I think they know how to um, weed out the ones that their customers are are in a real demand for and a dire need for. Um, it's it's not easy. I think uh, starting a relationship uh, with Lloyd's it's it's such a huge market. Um, but once I think you you meet the right people um, and and learn how to navigate it, it's it's an amazing market to work with. Good. And then just in terms of your own role, I mean, as CTO, you must have a a team, maybe a large team, building out the analytics for you. Uh, how have you brought that team together, and where are they located? Yeah. It's, it's way more than analytics. Uh, we've developed a robust monitoring system that monitors the performance and availability of the services that we ensure down to the granularity of a millisecond. So we actually know how uh, they're, if they're experiencing downtime even before it's, it's reported uh, publicly. And, and the team is fantastic. So uh, we have extremely talented XIDF um, um, software engineers working here uh, that have really developed amazing things. Uh, in addition to that, we also have a team of actuaries uh, that, you know, have analyzed the data that comes out of the monitoring system. Um, historically, the data goes uh, almost nine years back and um, have really created an amazing product that has great and attractive pricing as well. And IDF is Israel Defense Force. Yes. They're mostly based or all based in Israel, or are they also the team dispersed around the world? The R&D team is in Israel, um, but we do have business development in New York. And then just thinking about the the value chain of technology. So you're doing the analytics, but another important thing for insurance companies is to manage their own aggregations. Are you also collaborating with other other modeling companies out there, such as CyberCube, who are building modeling tools for cyber risk? The aggregation for us is, is managed in-house. And, and part of the things that we've developed in addition to the monitoring system and the data and, and, the, and the actuarial models, we've also developed uh, an algorithm for a risk assessment. And it's a way for us to uh, calculate and to analyze uh, the aggregation points. So because we have this, um, this capability to see so far deep into how the performance and availability of these services is acting and we know to each individual service in each individual individual region down to the availability zones that they provide uh, we can create an algorithm that kind of shows on a worldwide map where these aggregate points are and once we're it, we point them out we know how to diversify them or at least to manage that risk as we go forward and as we scale and then looking ahead Anything you can give us a hint about or tell us about that might be happening soon with you? Yeah, I'd say um, uh, start following us because there's a lot of very interesting um, uh, things about to happen and, and um, kind of a few things that, that we're keeping up our, uh, up our sleeves. Um, but, but I'd say that 2021 is, is uh, going to be a good year. Well, if you move as fast in 2021 as you've moved as fast in 2020, I'm sure there'll be a lot of things to, uh, to look out for. Well, that was great, Nat. Is there anything else we haven't talked about that you think are worth mentioning? We're always looking for great partners. And we see our value in um, the technology that we've created and that we've developed and the models and the data. 
Um, but we come from outside of the insurance industry. Although we have amazing uh, teams within our team that, that are from the insurance industry, um, you know, the, the partners that we partner with know their industry best. And so we're looking for partners that we can collaborate with and co-create and we get insights from their own customers. And uh, that's how we develop and, and learn uh, how to really fit these products as best we can to the needs of customers. Yeah, that makes complete sense. I mean, that partnership and collaboration, we're seeing a lot more of that going on both amongst sort of earlier stage companies, but also the more established companies. And then we're seeing more on the platform side. And I think the other one you'll see, if you're not already seeing it, but is organizations that traditionally might have bought insurance or relied on their brokers to buy insurance are also kind of interested in what they can be doing themselves to blend the insurance with the risk management side. And it seems like what you're doing should fit well into that. And you, and you talked about a few that are already happening. So yeah, I can see there's going to be lots of news. We'll have to keep, keep agile ourselves to keep up with what you're doing. I was going to say that another thing is, is maybe with COVID, um, and we've seen an extremely fast acceleration uh, towards, towards digitization. And businesses have realized um, that if they weren't digital up until now, then they have to become digital very, very quickly. Um, and with that, you're getting a new and emerging risk. And so um, with that, you need to make sure that you're insured for uh, potential losses if, if your business is becoming uh, on the cloud or more digitalized. So um, I, I think we've seen great traction from, from that as well. And we can really help um, businesses kind of move to the cloud without uh, creating a new external risks for themselves. Yeah, it's certainly it's harder to hide from the impact of being digital. And I, you know, your relationship with Lloyd's puts you right at the heart of that as well, an institution that's had to move very fast. So Netta, I, I know there's also something you've got that you are prepared to offer for free to organizations that are potential clients. Can you just talk a little bit about what your, um, your offer of the month is or however long it lasts for, for potential, <laughs> potential incredible clients? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'd say for clients, uh, feel free to, to be in touch with us uh, through our website, uh, either schedule a, a call with us and we'd be very happy to demo our technology or fill out an online form and we can kind of pre-assess their risk per customer. Great. And we'll put the links to that in the episode notes. Thank you very much again and uh, look forward to catching up and following what you're up to next year. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Well, if you are interested in parametric insurance generally and haven't already seen our report, 2021 Parametric Insurance Outlook and the companies to watch out for is flying off the shelves, but still free to download from the Instec London website, or you can click through from the episode notes to find it. Also, we're lining up my guests for 2021 now, so if there's anyone you'd like us to interview that is doing great things in building companies or driving innovation, then please do let me know on LinkedIn, that's Matthew Grant, or hello at instec.com. London. Well, that's it for now, but look out for another partners chat coming soon from Robin and I before the end of the year. And as ever, stay safe and stay warm. Mm -hmm.